Welcome to Refocus Together. My name is Laura Hoyos. I have she, her pronouns, and I am the creator of Latina with ADHD. I'm your host, Lindsay Gensel, and this is a special ADHD Awareness Month series of my podcast, Refocused with Lindsay Gensel. If you're a regular listener, you know that the Refocus podcast is where we change the narrative around ADHD and share the tips and tools we need to refocus and live our best lives. If you're new here and found us because it's ADHD Awareness Month, welcome. We are so glad you're here, and I truly hope you'll stick around long after October ends. Now, there are parts of this ADHD journey that some of us have figured out, and there are parts that we still need help cracking. And so for ADHD Awareness Month, I'm collaborating, as always, with my partner, ADHD Online, to interview 31 people. That's one interview for every day of the month about their own ADHD experience. We'll hear from people who were diagnosed as kids and those diagnosed well into adulthood. We'll talk about hyperfocus and distraction, stigma and shame, grief and acceptance, and so much more. And we'll see that ADHD can affect anyone, all genders, orientations, backgrounds, nationalities, and cultures. And while there are differences in how we live this truth, there are also so many similarities that bring us together in community. This special project is very near and dear to my heart. And although talking to 31 different people has been a lot of talking, I'm so grateful for each person who shared their story and am truly forever changed by these conversations, and I cannot wait for you to meet my guests and get to know them. Be sure to subscribe to Refocus with Lindsay Gensel so that you don't miss a single story this month. After learning she had ADHD in September of 2021, Laura Hoyos remembers asking how to say the words in Spanish so she could explain the diagnosis to her Colombian family. After learning she had ADHD in September of 2021, Laura Hoyos remembers asking how to say the words in Spanish so she could explain the diagnosis to her Colombian family. Laura came to the U.S. when she was eight, the daughter of immigrants and the first in her family to go to college. She understood the pressure of not getting things wrong, and at the same time, she didn't realize how much guilt and shame she'd been carrying around for her entire life for all of the things she couldn't get right. But then, there was an answer, and having a genuine reason for why everything felt so hard for her, it felt like she'd won the lottery. As she started to navigate life with this new diagnosis, Laura became frustrated with the lack of representation of Latinas in the ADHD community. She thought about all of the other girls and women like her struggling in college, in their jobs, in their relationships, having no idea that what they were dealing with, it wasn't their fault. So she created Latina with ADHD a blog that has grown with her as she's documented her experience with brain hacking, navigating emotions, and being successful. 
despite the challenges that come with having ADHD. Now, Latinas from all over the world have a safe space where they can share their ADHD stories and keep the conversation going while bringing together mental health resources for the Latinx community. I want to start at the beginning, as I have been doing with every guest. Let's talk about your actual diagnosis. What led up to it? What made you start to kind of question and what the entire process was like for you? Definitely. So I have an adult diagnosis. I was actually diagnosed last year and September 12th. It will be my one year anniversary of my diagnosis. Congratulations. Thank you so much. Um, it feels like a rebirth. So I feel like I'm turning one. <laughs> um, I have struggled all of my life feeling like I am very different from everybody else. And like I have struggles that no one else is having. Um, so I just always told myself that I was a little bit weird. I just have a lot of quirks. That's what I would call them. And um, some of those things were not as, you know, difficult to deal with, but other things were challenging. College was difficult. Um, I am a first generation immigrant. I am a first generation college uh, graduate. And navigating the educational system in this country and navigating being the first person of my family to go to college while having undiagnosed ADHD uh, was very difficult because I struggled in different ways. Um, I struggled with getting good grades, but it wasn't because I didn't understand the material or it wasn't because I wasn't interested in the material. Now I know, now that I have my ADHD diagnosis, I understand everything that goes into being able to do college and, and be successful at it. But at the time, I just felt like, why can't I just get it together? And it was building up a lot of resentment towards myself, frustration with myself. Like I say, I want to do all these things and I think I'm capable, but I also doubt myself so much and I'm dealing with imposter syndrome and do I belong here? You know, this mixture of all of the immigrant experiences, the first gen experiences. And now that I know the ADHD experiences, you know, I was, I was due to sort of explode at any point um, when the pandemic began and everything changed for me, the systems I had in place, the things that were keeping me afloat and functioning, everything kind of switched. I got sent to work from home and the change in environment and the control that I had to focus or not focus because my manager is now watching me work. That really kind of threw me off and I decided that I needed to go to therapy. I felt that I was struggling a lot with my emotions and I was just kind of spiraling. So after a year and a half of therapy is when one day I was just talking to my therapist and I just said, you know, because I was like really messy as a kid. Like I've, that's my reputation. I'm just like a messy person. And she was like, oh, you've never talked about you being messy. And I'm like, no, yes, like I, I, it's a problem. And then she said, I think that you would benefit from an ADHD evaluation. That was the first time she mentioned it. And at the time, I didn't know what ADHD was. I had never read about it, heard about it. The only thing that came to mind was hyperactivity in kids. And I thought it was perhaps like a learning disability. So I really didn't know. But the thought that there could be something that explains me I was like, yes, let's go for it. Let's do the evaluation. Like maybe all of my life can be explained. And I think at the time I was like, if there is an explanation as to why I'm so messy, 
which is a characteristic that I've been kind of bullied about, right? Like by my family and my strict like Hispanic parents. If that, if I could just be explained with like a medical condition, that would just make me feel so good about myself. So I did an evaluation September 12th of last year. And, you know, it came out that I have ADHD. And that was my diagnosis story. And I guess the beginning of like a new chapter for me. So it's a very new diagnosis, as you mentioned, one year ago. What were some of the initial moments like for you after getting the diagnosis? What did you start to change right away? What did you add to your routine or take out of your routine? Like, What was that very early time like? To be honest, um, and I know it's very different for, for many people, but for me, I was ecstatic. I felt like I had won the lottery. It was just a lot of enthusiasm around it just because everything made sense to me for the first time ever. And um, it felt good. I think the initial thing for me was I didn't realize how much guilt and shame I'd been carrying my entire life for all the things I couldn't get right. And the ability to have a reason and explanation for that and say, it's not me. It's not that I'm lazy. It's not that I don't want to. It's not that I'm weird. You know, I've been labeling myself this way and not even watching how I talk to myself and how that affects me. It's not that. It's my brain is going through this and it's difficult to do these things. And now I had these explanations. So I just felt very happy and I felt very eager to understand ADHD, you know, because I went from like not knowing anything at all. So I did a lot of research. I watched a lot of videos, listened to a lot of podcasts. I read a lot and I began journaling immediately because I wanted to capture all this information I was, you know, absorbing, but also I was beginning to identify, oh, yes, this behavior that I have is because of ADHD. This is how my ADHD shows up for me. I don't struggle as much with this, but this is a big issue. I wanted to understand myself deeper. So I definitely began kind of that journaling journey. And then within a month of having my diagnosis, I had this big kind of moment of, wait a second, like, I feel like college was traumatic for me because of how difficult it was. And I always blamed it on the fact that I was a first generation college student. And I didn't know what I was doing and it was difficult for all of those reasons and identities. But then I realized how much having ADHD and not knowing, not being medicated, not being aware of it really affected my educational experience. And then I thought, how many Latinas are out there struggling in college right now, struggling at their first job, struggling in their relationships, and they have no idea that it's not them. You know, we carry this guilt as like, daughters of immigrants and there's this whole narrative that makes it really difficult to navigate different things in our lives and I thought you know like do they know they have ADHD because I didn't know and I want them to know and how many of us are just you know going through life struggling so much because we don't talk about this at home we don't have these conversations within my community I've never heard the mention of ADHD I had to google how you say in Spanish I had to do some research of my own of how do I explain ADHD in Spanish like to my family so I decided to create Latina with ADHD you know within a month of my diagnosis obviously I was very new at the whole thing but that's I think in the beginning stages, the best thing I could have done because the page has grown with me and it sort of became like a, a journaling experience in itself where I was documenting everything new that I was learning. And uh, the main goal with that was if I could just have one 
Latina who also has ADHD and doesn't know it run across my page and say, oh my God, like, I go through that. I struggle with this. Maybe it's not me. You know, maybe there's an explanation. Like, I am happy. That's all I want. I want us to live a life where we're not feeling this guilt and shame and having like this negative talk to ourselves about how we're not capable of doing things and it's all our fault. So that was like the beginning stage. It was a lot of like high emotions and for the most part, very positive. I did go through days of feeling like, wait a sec, what would my life have been like if I had known all along, like in childhood, at the early stages of college, all the headaches I could have avoided, all the things I could have accomplished. So I had to mourn kind of that other version of me if that would have known, you know, um, but going to therapy really helped me navigate those emotions at the beginning. I have so many things I want to say, but I, first off, I just want to one, thank you for not only sharing your story here, but for the work you're putting in with your community. And what I love about the fact that you were like, yeah, I didn't know anything. And I just started is I think for so many of us with ADHD, we are afraid to start things because it's not going to be perfect and it's not where we want it to be. And we hyper-focus on that. And like, the vulnerability that it took for you to just kind of put yourself out there. And I'm sure that was a, a growing experience for you too, healing as well. Definitely. Um, I I had like a week of just like, should I, shouldn't I, should I, you know, am I the right person? I am not an expert, you know, in ADHD. Like, will I be able to get the message across? Am I going to offend some people? You know, I was asking all the questions, definitely very hyper-focused and like, this is gonna fail. But then I thought like, no, like I could have benefited from this and I'm not finding it. You know, the, the reason why it kind of started was because I saw a lot of content made by white women, which made me excited because as we know, uh, women uh, are misdiagnosed or not as diagnosed as often as men. And so I was really excited to see women share their journey. But then I was like, okay, let's take a step further. I want to see Latinas talking about ADHD because now I'm thinking of all the way identities intersect with each other. And I just didn't find anything. I didn't find any YouTube videos about it. Um, I, I was just like, where are we? Like, I know we have ADHD. I can't be the only Latina with ADHD. Like, where are we and what's happening? And so that made me that that kind of like frustration was what ignited that fire of like, I'm just going to do it. And it doesn't have to be perfect. Um, I'm going to, I'll learn along the way. And I'm sure people will like correct me and teach me on the internet, but I'm just going to like get started. And what was really awesome about that is that since the beginning, I started getting feedback from other Latinas. Immediately, I started getting comments and mostly DMs, you know, private conversations where other Latinas were sharing with me their ADHD struggle, you know, in their Latinx community, with their families, you know, the, the conversation about how th those identities intersect. And so right off the bat, I knew like, this is a good idea. This is necessary. We need more of this. And, you know, I've just kept it going since then. I'm really glad that you touched on the idea that there are a lot of white women who have the privilege of the time and the opportunity to put all of these things out there. And I fall into that category, which is why doing 31 stories in the month of October made so much sense because it's a new story every single day and it gives us the opportunity to tell different stories outside of my own. I mean, I talk a lot about my own life in the podcast because it is my podcast. And so this is an opportunity to open that door. And 
I am so curious about the cultural differences because, you know, like I can tell my story from growing up and going to the doctor and sitting in my college counselor's office. And I mean, how many of the like depression and anxiety exams I had filled out prior to being diagnosed. And it was actually a woman of color on Twitter who was like the final push I needed. And I was like, how, how was I missed? How was this never talked about? And it was just kind of like going back to what you said, like I was just the messy kid and like no one thought that there was anything off with it. But I'm curious because you've touched on it a little bit, being a first generation college student, a strict Hispanic household, not talking about mental health. And of course, the mental health conversations and the trouble as a society that we have with being open about them definitely crosses over into so many different cultures and ebbs and flows. And, it, you know, it's kind of like one of those things I, I hope we are kind of the next generation to break, to make it less taboo. And so I would I would really love it if you could touch a little bit on some of the things that culturally stood in your way, you know, before you were diagnosed, you know, to get you to that answer. Yes, definitely. This is like, my favorite topic to talk about um, because I, I never, it's a never ending cycle of having like aha moments, you know, and identifying those that cross over. I think for me, it's, you know, um, my parents migrated here when I was pretty young and I arrived to the United States when I was eight years old and they had a very challenging experience as most immigrants do, you know, navigating the system here and how things work, you know, from how to rent an apartment, how to sign up my kid for school, our educational systems are different. And they had very valid reasons for migra migrating here in the first place and very difficult lives and very difficult challenges. So as I grew up, um, you know, I fit right into that category of the immigrant child that just wants to make their parents proud, that wants to do everything right, and that wants to make sure that their parents' sacrifices were worth it, right? Because I saw how hard they worked. Uh, my mom is a housekeeper. My dad owns a cleaning business. And so they work very hard physically. And they would tell me and my siblings, you know, we want you to do better, to have better, to have more, to have that success. And I understood, you know, every time I saw them work and their hardships, like they were doing this for me because they want a better life for me. And so I can't get it wrong. You know, I can't mess this up. And so that in itself adds a lot of pressure especially navigating those emotions like you know as a child and as a teenager um, it's kind of hard to balance that out with the need to have your own identity and and have fun and not take life so seriously because you're like on this mission of like I have to get this right for everybody like my ancestors are watching kind of thing and so I um, you know that part of ADHD makes you super curious and super like interested in everything and kind of hyper and everywhere like that worked out for me you know in high school I signed up for all the clubs I was in all the community service I knew exactly what I wanted to do with my life I was involved in all the things and it just worked because I had the the ability to focus on so many different things because they brought me dopamine and they were interesting and fascinating and so it looked like you know I was going in the right direction and everybody had so much hope for me like you got this um, you know, the little things were still there. So the mess was a very big issue. Culturally, we take a lot of pride, especially, you know, um, I don't want to generalize 
all the Latin American countries, but in Colombia or growing up in Colombia, being raised in Colombia, the intensity with being like clean and organized and on top of your things, it's like on another level. And so I just didn't fit that, that part of that identity as a Colombian, you know, um, my <laughs> growing up, my aunt washed the bathroom, like deep clean the bathroom every single day. It happens every single day. You know, I'm looking back and I'm like, why can't it be like done like once a week, maybe twice a week if you really want it to be perfect. But it was like this extreme cleanliness and this extreme like organization. Nothing was ever out of place. Everything was so organized all the time and I just couldn't do it. I was always messy. I was always disorganized no matter how much I tried to get it together. And so, you know, I had this reputation at home of like, you're the messy one and it's a big issue. And uh, conversations like, I don't know if you're going to get married one day because how is a husband going to accept or how are you going to keep a house? And that, that stereotype as well of like, you're being raised to be a good mother and a good wife and, and then that's it, you know? And it's like, how are you going to take care of your children? You're so like inattentive. You're, your head's like in, this, in space. One day you're just going to leave your kid at the park and like forget about them. You know, these kind of comments that, or meant to poke fun at how quirky I was as a kid, but you know, you do internalize those things. And then you do ask yourself like, why am I so forgetful? Why do I mess up so much? Why do I have so many little accidents? I drop things very easily. I break things very easily because I'm rushing to do everything. And so it was like everything about who I was expected to be as a young Colombian woman. It's like, I wasn't fitting that. Um, we also take culturally a lot of pride in being extremely well put together. And so you don't leave your house without showering, you know, doing your makeup and your hair and you're wearing a nice outfit and you're just like showing your best self to the world, you know? And I had that, that interesting life experience where I'm being raised this way up until I'm nine. And then I come to the United States and I'm going to school with kids that wear like sweatpants and baggy sweaters. I was all about it. Now I know like sensory wise, that's just what works for me. I love all the comfy stuff. Um, and so I was like, I, I choose this cultural stuff better. Like this works for me. Um, the thought that people here, I grew up in New Jersey, so we had pretty intense winters. And so in the winters, like it was a common thing where you shower at night, get up to go to school in, you know, in the morning and it's fine. But this idea of not showering in the morning, like culturally for like my Colombian family was like, no like what you know and so I had to like pick and choose but also felt like I couldn't find myself in the mixture of those two identities and those two cultural things um and so that added I think another layer of like confusion for me um when I started college that's where everything kind of went downhill that transition was really hard for me to deal with being away from my family and being away from all the systems that kind of worked and had kept me afloat and misdiagnosed, really. Everything just kind of crashed. I struggled with the pressure of, of I can't fail, you know, uh, of my parents can't afford this, so we have loans, and so I, ha I really can't fail. I can't make this not work. And um, I felt, I think, looking back now, I think it was my first experience with depression. It's very clear to me now on the symptoms, but at the time, I didn't know what depression was or how it showed up. So I experienced even more guilt 
like I get to go to my dream college. I'm in this beautiful city. I'm studying my my passion, my major. I'm free. My you know, like <laughs> I live in a dorm. My parents are now watching me at what time I come home, at what time I go to sleep. I get to just live my life and be like fun and young and I it was the opposite, you know. I was very very depressed. I didn't want to leave my my dorm. I didn't want to get dressed up. I didn't want to try any of the activities that were offered for us and I felt extremely ungrateful. Like that like I how can I have not have gratitude for this? And when I went to my parents to kind of vent and say I'm not doing well, it was like you have all of this. Like this is what we worked for for you to have this and why why is it not working? Why are you not enjoying it? So, um, you know, the I guess the story can like it's never ending, as I said at the beginning of seeing how this culture stuff really impacted that identity and those symptoms of ADHD that I'm able to pick up on now. But you know, at the time it was just like it made the the shame and the guilt that much worse because I wasn't checking off the boxes that I was supposed to as the like young immigrant daughter. You've touched on a few things I want to go back to. The first being you mentioned kind of some of the things that were said to you growing up about how are you going to get married or who's going to want to marry you? How are you going to take care of a family? And like, yes, anyone would cling to that, would go back to that. But we also know people with ADHD were incredibly sensitive we love to ruminate. I'm curious if you've had time to go back and look at that time and kind of, you know, the cultural acceptance of that narrative for women and, and how that affected you, you know, in those formative years. Definitely. I've, I've, uh, it's a lot of the work that I have been doing since my diagnosis, right? It's realizing all of these things. And I created truths that were not really truth, but were true for me about myself based on these comments, right? The stories we tell ourselves. Exactly, the stories we tell ourselves. And so it's about identifying those stories and teaching myself and working through the ability to undo them and not believe them anymore, right? And, and tell myself that those things are not true. But for a very long time, I did, I think, I experienced two things. The first one was feeling like, you know, agreeing, agreeing to those comments that were made, yes. I will probably never get married. I am. I, I don't think I should be a mom because I will probably be a really bad mom. Like I'll forget to feed my feed my children or something like that. You know, just kind of believing that there were so many things I wouldn't get to do because I was just all over the place. You know, is the best way to describe myself. Um, emotionally wise, I was extremely sensitive, and I see why. Like I really internalized those comments, and I think the difficult part too is that. I have an amazing family and most of the time those comments came from just like wanting to poke around wanting to just joke or like make fun of whatever the situation was but obviously you know with our sensitivity to rejection I didn't take it as a joke and I really believed all of those things and then the next part of it I think as I got a little bit older was wanting to reject those things by rebelling, I guess, against the system. So it wasn't so much like, oh, uh, I'm not going to be able to get a husband or find one. Nobody's going to want me to say like, well, maybe I don't want to 
get married. You know what? Like, maybe I don't want that, you know, and just kind of letting the anger and the frustration take over and be like, well, you know, I'm fine the way that I am. And I would have a lot of arguments at that time with my mom about my mess. And, you know, she would say like, Laura, like, mess makes me feel sick. Like, I can't function in mess. I can't function in an unkept room. Like, doesn't it make you feel that way? And I would just say, no, my mess is fine. I like my messy room. Like it's, it, it works for me. Like it works for me. And, you know, trying to defend, I think I got very defensive of those um, different sort of traits <laughs> that I was displaying and just saying like, it's okay. It's okay that I'm like this. It's okay that I'm forgetful. It's okay that I drop everything or have random bruises all the time because I, you know, hurt myself all the time, um, you know, running into things and whatnot. So I think that was one of the ways in which I dealt with with that. But a lot of it has also been for me this past year, um, having conversations with my mom about this, you know, teaching her about ADHD and having the opportunity of hearing her say, you know, I'm sorry that I, I didn't know and that I couldn't help get you diagnosed as a kid when it was my responsibility to you know when you were a child and having those conversations and being able to kind of heal (laughs) and and remember and recall those moments and say you know oh mom I just learned something new you know how I always struggled with this well it turns out that when you have ADHD you know x y and z and it's been good to make it about not just me but like a family thing as well, a family like learning experience and educational experience, because I don't think the healing could happen without that, without maybe hearing them say, you know, we apologize or also just having them understand because I feel like I'm getting myself for the first time and it feels good to be seen by others as well. That's really lovely. I'm thank you so much for sharing that. I dealt with a similar thing and am still dealing with similar conversations with my own mother. And, you know, very quickly she just felt so horrible. How did I not know? And it was like, mom, no one knew. Like, and so, so cliche for like a a child born in the eighties. Like I was in the gifted and talented program in elementary school. Like they weren't paying attention to me. Like it's not all on you. It very much is this idea of this outdated, stereotype of what ADHD is and who it affects. And I heard someone describe it this way very recently, and it was such a great reminder. It's like ADHD isn't a mental health thing. It's literally our brains are different. It's not like we are just, um, you know, not digesting things properly. Like our brains are wired differently and we are living in a world that is not meant for us. And then you throw in the cultural differences and it's just like, it is a lot and it can be exhausting. Yes, it can be very tiring. I, you know, that was an interesting thing because one of the things that led me to seeking therapy in the first place is I was always very tired and I was like, okay, is this depression? Because, you know, I've seen like the, the typical stereotypical stuff of depression, like you sleep all day and I'm like, maybe I'm depressed and I just don't know. Like I need answers. I spend a lot of time going to doctors. Like, do I have anemia? Like, why am I always just so tired and things don't interest me? And, um, I don't have energy. (laughs) I only have for energy that thing for things that I'm really interested in. Like, yes, I'll get up at three in the morning and just do a project because I think that's the best idea I've ever had. But then that's it. You know, 
for the, all the other life things. Like it just wasn't working. And as I began to undo and pick apart all these things in my life and really understand how ADHD made sense, I realized that the, the fatigue and the tiredness came from that, from all the work that you do to fit into the neurotypical like world. And, you know, it's very challenging to make like force yourself to to have that kind of brain wiring when it just isn't there. And it's your brain like you can't do much about it if it's just that way. You know, I remember when I got diagnosed Um, my job had attempted to send us back to work at the office. COVID then got worse again, and then they sent us back home. And I remember during that time that I was working at at the office, I was having a horrible time because my desk was positioned in in this huge room, and my desk was like all the way at the wall. So looking at my screen, I was looking at the whole room, and there was just lights, like just a lot of lights. And um, I don't like white lights. I like yellow lights. So um, I would be in a bad mood all day at work because you could control the dimness of the lights. And so when I got there in the office, I would get there extra early, kind of control the lighting and be like, let's hope nobody moves in. But then at some point in the day, people realize it's pretty dark in here and just bring up the lights. And my day was ruined. Like I couldn't focus. I was in a bad mood. I wanted to complain. I wanted to be mad, but I would stop myself and say like, Laura, it doesn't make sense. Like, you can't get mad because the room is bright. People are working. It's an office. Like, this, you know, at the time I didn't know about my ADHD. So I just felt this frustration of like, I'm so bothered by this. And then that frustration led to, yeah, that tiredness. Everything felt exhausting because I'm like, why can't I just sit and focus like everybody else? But no, it's just, I'm seeing the lights and that's it. I can't get over the fact that that's bothering me. Then I get my diagnosis and I'm like, it all makes sense. I understand why something that I would look, I remember I would look at my coworker and be like, are the lights bothering you? And she's like, oh, they're a little bit, you know, like she was fine. And I'm like, is anybody else like experiencing what I'm experiencing? Like, am I crazy? You know, that's something that I would kind of ask myself a lot all the time. And and now it makes sense, you know? So yes, it's, it's a, the whole world feels like this video game where like, you're not supposed to be in it. You belong like in a different kind of world. And so you have to navigate things that you just are never going to make sense or are just extremely complicated to deal with. What sort of treatment plans have you put in place over the last year? What is working for you? What are you interested in learning more about? You know, like what were some of the things you did initially and have maybe changed? You know, I, I know it's only been a year and so it's just such a massive journey, but tell us some of the things that you've been doing. So one of the first things that I did, as I mentioned, I really, um, I've always enjoyed writing and writing about my feelings. It was always something that has helped, but I really took it more consistently, more serious when I got diagnosed because part of having ADHD means that you just forget things. I didn't want to forget this experience. I didn't want to forget how I felt each part of the way. Um, And I wanted to sort of document my progress and writing helped me let it out which was very important because I was going through all the different emotions like I'm happy I'm diagnosed but this is sad and what does it mean for my future am I always going to have ADHD and if I have kids are they going to have ADHD and how is that going to influence my role as a wife or as a mother or you know all the questions and so journaling helped um initially um I said absolutely I will not take medication and that really came from 
the stereotype, the lack of information, and how much fear is instilled in in my Latinx community about these things. Anything that is like internal, mental, illness related, and, and requires medication, it's like, no, like, it's not acceptable. Because a lot of it is misunderstood. And so the, the idea is, you can you can just work harder or just be grateful. Like if you just are so grateful for the fact that you're in this country and you have the opportunity to work here and you know your American dream, like you won't be sad. You won't be, you know, you won't struggle. And so it's like figure it out on your own, but medication, like no, that's for people that are crazy. It's like there is no in between. You either just get it together or you're just crazy. Um and so I felt very scared of taking medication. I just felt like my whole life all of my cultural you know all the things told me like that's a no-no and I was scared of like maybe trying it and and also having to like share with my parents you know I was already like a 27 year old but I was like what are my parents gonna think are they gonna disagree and what is what like friends like it's like a secret that I would have to hide right and then very quickly through conversations with my uh, therapist my psychiatrist I I asked questions how does it work what does it do what is the medication what is ADHD on like a physiological level, like brain stuff? Like I want to understand the medical terms and understand how medication would help. Uh, informing myself really made a big difference. And then I made the decision to try the medication. So I'm just going to go for it. Like at the end of the day, I can't stop myself from trying it just because of what others will say if I'm the one that's struggling, you know. And medication uh, has been very helpful for me since the beginning. I noticed it right away. Um, it helped for me. It felt like, you know, all these metaphors that people use, it felt like everybody turned down the volume of a million TVs that were on all at once. It felt like a car slowing down. I felt like my thoughts were lined up and I would think about one thing at once. And then it, I could have time to just sit with that without all the other thoughts wanting to take up space in my head. And I noticed how much it helped the way I showed up you know, at home, with myself, with my family, in the workplace, how much more calm I became because I took, I, I didn't realize that I was always doing things like in a rush. I used to think that everybody was just very slow at everything. Like, What do you cook so slow? Why do you get ready so slow? Like I can get ready in five minutes. I can make a meal in 10 minutes, you know, like I can do everything like this. And so I slowed down and matched everybody's pace. And I was like, oh, it was me. I was the problem. Um, but it felt good to slow down because I felt like I was, you know, at the verge of like giving myself a heart attack of always kind of being on the go. That was really helpful too, because as I was having these conversations with my community and the page I created, I was sharing this journey and, and I had a lot of questions reach out. A lot of people reach out with similar questions of like, oh, I've wanted to try medication, but I've had the same fears that you have had. So it, it felt really good to have those conversations within the Latinx community that has been fostering there and talk about the stigma. Um, I do know that medication doesn't work for everybody. So I never tried to push it on people or, or make it like you have to try this, but I want to make it normal and acceptable to do so. And then towards the, I think in the most recent months, what I've realized is I've been going through a period of, I guess the high of that enthusiasm that I shared, right? Like, Oh my God, I have ADHD. Everything makes sense. This is awesome. This is, are all the things I can do with my life now because I know and medication is amazing and I can focus. You know, that kind of high is like wearing down. 
And I'm now stepping into a space where I'm realizing that having ADHD is very difficult <laughs> and that it makes things in life, like it adds an extra layer of hardship in anything that we do. And that medication helps up to a certain extent. Journaling helps up to a certain extent. Therapy, I would say, is another part of my of my um, treatment because I can have these conversations and sort of vent and really process all the emotions that come up with getting diagnosed as an adult. But now for me, I think the most recent feeling is, is that, is realizing it's great that I know, okay, like I got past that, like that's awesome. But it's not so awesome to deal with how hard it is to have ADHD, like the reality of it, you know. And um, I go back and forth between I have found a lot of systems of what works for me. I found how I can manage laundry for me, like what works best, what works best to have like an organized schedule and show up to appointments and not miss things. You know, uh, this year has been about hacking my brain, you know, and, and finding things that maybe don't make sense for others, but for me, it makes sense and I can get it done this way. So I don't experience that much guilt. Um, but regardless, I also have the times where there is no hack, right? There is no solution. There's oops, like that happened. There's a lot of like, oops moments, you know, you, you lose interest in things, you stop showing up, you, you know, the thing with ADHD is like, if you don't want to do it, you're not going to do it. And that really gets away in the way of being an adult, because being an adult means you got to do a lot of things you don't want to do sometimes, right? So um, now I think I'm in the, in the process where I'm navigating those emotions and, and accepting, accepting ADHD right for what it is and trying to be at peace with the fact that um, some things are just going to be harder. I'm curious, and you touched on it a little bit, but what is pushing you forward right now? What is exciting to you or where do you see yourself thriving in this new kind of world you've created for yourself, for your community, for other women, Latina or not, who have ADHD and hear your story and are connecting to it? Where, where are you with that? It's been very interesting. You know, I felt like when I started my page, it was definitely a hyper-focused thing for me. And I had the ability to, let's say, like make like 10 posts in one day because it was like, go, 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 and all this information, all these things I wanted to put out. I quickly realized as I went through the waves of accepting my diagnosis and life, right, that I have periods where I'm extremely creative and I'm okay and I can, you know, make so many things and I want to have conversations and be social and then I have periods where I'm, it's not that I lose interest, but I'm struggling, you know, I'm struggling with my mental health. I'm struggling to want to be um, present and uh, having conversations, more like a quiet time for me. And at first it was difficult because I wanted to keep up with the momentum of what I was doing with my page. But then I realized that part of the entire thing is to really show up as myself and show that side too, right? It's not all about, um, I, I didn't want the page to become all about, here's how you can make life work with ADHD, right? Um, I wanted it to also be about like, here's how I'm struggling right now. And I don't have an answer. I don't have a solution uh, for that right now. But I want to share it with you in case you're going through it, just so you know, you're not alone. 
And so I've been focusing on sort of creating that space where it's both informational and helpful and I can share tips and things that I'm learning that are good, but I can also share the like not so pretty parts of it too and just be very uh, authentic and vulnerable in that way. It has become one of the most important things for me because I see the impact that it can have on other women like myself. And I think that there is never going to be a point where I say, I've done the work, like it's enough, you know, because every so often I have somebody new message me. I have some, somebody new contacted me and saying, I just came across your page. I'm, I'm thinking of getting evaluated. Like what, what, how was your process? How did you get, you know, diagnosed? They ask for tips or recommendations. And when I can do that, when I can share about my story and help somebody, it, it's like the most amazing feeling. And so I don't see that ever going away. I would like to become the kind of person that can inspire other people to share their own journey. When I created my page, I didn't want it to be about I'm the only Latina with ADHD and I like own this identity. I really wanted to create it because there wasn't enough of us. So another kind of mission that I have is to have other uh, Latina women who are very interested in sharing their story kind of do so. And it's been very awesome because I've connected with some women and now there's a group of us like I've you know I've been able to see the the start and the process of another Latina saying I want to do this as well I want to talk about my ADHD and see their success with their pages and so I have about five or six Latinas <laughs> spread out through the United States and we you know we meet once a month and uh, we talk about our pages and what we're doing and, and the messages we want to share and how we can help other women. And it's been very amazing to now have that community. Whereas when I started, it was just kind of me trying to see, you know, work it out and see what it would become. So I, I would love for that to continue multiplying and for one day to say like, there's hundreds of us. The, the very interesting thing about it is that for us, it feels like we're finally in a setting where we are fully understood. There is like a no judgment zone. We get each other, right? Like we, we, understand each other on like a deeper level and it feels so good to be in a space like that so I want to continue taking care of that space like on the internet right taking care of the space that we have curated and welcoming other women in um, I've also been able to identify now after a year of knowing about my ADHD that I am a really creative person and I can do things well when there's like a creative aspect to it. So I now know that I always kind of, I'm always going to be in a cycle of seeking that. Like, what can I do to let out that creative, creative side of me that makes me want to do things and accomplish things? So a couple of months ago, I thought that it would be awesome to share some cleaning hacks and like how I am able to keep up with my organization now. Um, and I was like, let me create a manual, right? And let me make a video where I share like what works for me and maybe it'll help somebody and I can share the manual for free. And so, you know, I did like a whole thing. It wasn't just the post. I created like a six page manual and I created a video for it and I posted it. And those kinds of things are where I thrive because I'm, you know, letting my creativity kind of flow and it's being welcome and accepted and it's helping others. So I think I found sort of like the equation that works for me and I need to make sure that I'm always allowing myself to be creative so that I can continue being excited about this.
that's an awesome realization to have and to be able to actually put it into effect and, and have the time and the energy and feel like you're at a place where you can do that. And I also want to acknowledge how amazing it is to hear you say one of your priorities is continuing to build this community because the internet is a, it's a great place. It's also a terrible place. And I also think it's especially difficult for women. We are our own worst enemies and we, instead of lifting one another up, we tend to do the exact opposite. So to hear you say like, you guys get together and talk about what you're doing on your pages in this supportive, collaborative effort. And it's not me, 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 me. I have to be at the top. It's like, what are we doing to make it better for our community? And so I just, I want to just praise you for that because it's, it's truly a gift and it changes things. And I know it's a commitment, but like, it's very evident that you are passionate about moving forward in a right way. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Um, it's very easy to get caught up in how many likes do I have? How many followers do I have? How many followers does this person have? Like that, you know, like at a human level, like your those feelings do come up, right? But when I started the page, I, I always go back to kind of the origin story and how frustrating it felt to not see us anywhere, like on the map. And so I have always kind of kept that with me. And so it's always been about the more the merrier and how we can support each other. I have people contact me and ask me like, how did you start? I want to start too. And I'm always so open and so willing to share those tips, uh, give advice, offer help, create either post, like whatever it is, because I think that's what it's about. And I think when, when we focus on what the conversation we're having here in this community of being Latinas, being immigrants, being diagnosed at a later age, having ADHD, we all have similar stories of feeling rejected in many spaces, fitting, like not quite fitting in, you know, or not being understood or not receiving the help that we need. And so I think for all of us, we really want to switch that narrative and be like, okay, well, let, let, we haven't found that space. Let's create it ourselves and let's support each other and let's welcome each other's ideas and, and diversity that exists within our group and just help each other grow. because. We see it, I think, for us as more than just, we do it for fun, you know, and a lot of, I have um, one of the, my friends who has her page and she shares really fun and like creative videos that are very educational as well about ADHD. And, you know, we all have like different gifts and talents that we have to offer, right? So there's so many ways that we can make the, the community itself be like a fun place to be in. And it's not just like all tough and, and hard information to digest, but we wanted to just be welcoming to just welcome more Latinas in and, and more women in and just have it be a place where you don't have to feel that same rejection that you've been experiencing your entire life, navigating being a Latina and having ADHD, you know? I want to wrap this up by asking what you wish people knew or understood about ADHD that you just don't see people catching on to quick enough or that it's talked about enough? Like what is your, everyone needs to know this and understand this topic? I think one of the biggest things for me is the fact that 
there's like this black and white sort of view on it that you're either like neurotypical and functional or you have ADHD and you can't do things right, you know? I I think that the fact that so many women go their entire lives without being diagnosed tells us that you can accomplish amazingly crazy things and be extremely on top of it and have a family, you know, uh, raise children, have a happy relationship and just be so successful in whatever success means to you and still have ADHD. Like those things can coexist. And the fact that they coexist is many times why women are misdiagnosed. I wish more people understood that ADHD, it's not this very noticeable thing where you see a person that's just struggling in every area of their lives and they don't have friends or they don't have a family. You know, like this idea that it it means you can't have nice things and you can't get the best out of life, right? Uh, And I think if we started understanding that, understanding ADHD for what it is and what it isn't, we could help get rid of a lot of the stigma and the stereotypes around it. By normalizing that conversation, I think a lot more people will get their diagnosis, not just women, but men too. And for me, I've always thought about the bigger end goal of making the conversation so normal and so understood in the general community, right? That parents are thinking about, well, what are these behaviors I'm seeing in my child? Could it be ADHD? And let me do something about it now before before they landed, you know, where we landed. So sometimes I think about like, what if this conversation can also be about families hearing this in the Latinx community and making sure that they're helping their children and giving them the support that they need so we can prevent everything that we're talking about now of like the challenges of having ADHD and finding out as an adult and all the things we have to kind of heal from and undo because we had the life of, you know, undiagnosed ADHD. So I see the potential of what this conversation could be if we just continue having it. And that's what I I wish that people knew, understood, and wanted to partake in the conversation so we can just make it happen, you know? I could talk to you all day. I, I just, your energy and your positivity and the way you look back at what led up to your diagnosis, it truly is a gift. And thank you so much for your willingness and your openness to share it with us for ADHD Awareness Month. Truly, Laura, thank you. It has been an awesome conversation. I thank you so much for your questions. Uh, They've been very insightful. And thank you for having this space. You know, you're at the core of what I just talked about, the importance of having these conversations. And I thank you for your time, your energy as well. And please continue doing this, you know, talking about this. There's a never-ending topics that we could discuss for sure. So you're doing an awesome job. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. That's very kind of you to say. So grateful to Laura Hoyos for joining me on Refocus Together. You can find all of the awesome stuff she's creating through her platform, Latina with ADHD, linked in the show description. 
The thanks continue in a big way to the entire ADHD Online team, Zach Booker, Dr. Randall Dutler, Tim Gutwald, Keith Brophy, my teammates, Keith Boswell, Suzanne Spruitt, Claudia Gotti, Melanie Mile, Paul Owen, Kirsten Pip, Sissy Yee, Trisha Merchandunny, Lauren Radley, Corey Kearney and Mason Nelly and the team at Dexia, Cameron Sterling and Candice Lefke, Camilla Eden, Lauren Terry, Sarah Gelbard, Phil Rodeman, and Sarah Platinitis. Our theme music was created by Lewis Inglis, a songwriter and composer based in Perth, Australia, who was diagnosed with ADHD in 2020 at the age of 39. To find out more about Refocus Together or to share your story with me, head over to ADHDonline.com and check out the ADHD Awareness Month page, which highlights this project as well as each day's episode after they've been released. You can also find out more by following along on social at Lindsay Gensel and at Refocus Pod. Thank you.